there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. We all know better and act worse. Isn't this true about the human race? We, we know better, but we act worse. Why is that? Why is it that we know what we should do, but then we don't do it? What we know and believe belongs to the intellectual center. But the intellectual center alone is like a bachelor. And bachelors can be one of two kinds, the ordinary idea of bachelors. They can either be like, who were the two bachelors in The Odd Couple? Felix and Oscar. Felix and Oscar. And that really is, is how the world looks at bachelors. They're either like Felix, who's this Felix Unger, who's this fastidious, nervous whippet type who goes around <laughs> goes around fixing every hair and and you know getting everything just right or they're like Oscar who just kind of spreads out <laughs> smokes cigars and drinks and leaves the ashes here leaves the drinks here spills things eats spaghetti you know gets it all over his shirt so so they're they're like one or the other and the intellectual center is kind of like that because it's so formatory because we operate not so much from the from the intellectual center is from the formatory apparatus of the intellectual center, which makes everything appear in opposites. So what we know and believe belongs to the intellectual center, but the intellectual center, as I said, it needs a lover. It needs something, a, a partner, because alone it's either this way or that way. It's either Felix or it's Oscar. And this work is about balance. This work is about bringing these centers into balance, into balance, each center balanced and within itself, but also balanced and harmonized with the other centers so that we can be a harmonious organism, a harmonious self-developing organism. And it stands to reason that a harmonious self-developing organism would develop more harmoniously than an inharmonious self-developing organism. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> The emotional center is the seat of the will, just as the intellectual center is the seat of what we know, our consciousness. So what we know, what we believe, our consciousness, is centered in the intellectual center. But our wills are seated in the emotional center. Why it is that we know better and act worse is because there is no union between what we know and believe and what we will. But I will to do this. I, I want to do that. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. We know better and act worse because there's no marriage of consciousness and will. We make aims from the small side of ourselves, from knowledge. We read a book. We get the knowledge. We believe the knowledge. Where does all of that exist? What, to what center does that belong? Apparatus. It belongs to the intellectual center, and it's probably in the most mechanical part of the intellectual center, which is the formatory apparatus. So what we know and we believe, what we've heard, what we've read, we've mentally accepted, we've intellectually accepted, and it's there. And because it's there, we think that we can do what we now think 
and believe. But we find that when we go to do it, we know better, but we act worse. We don't do what we think we should do, what we wanted to do, what we believe we were doing. We find that we did something else instead. So we make these aims from this small side of ourselves, from this mechanical side of ourselves, from the intellectual, formatory, mechanical, tiny parts of the center. And then we soon forget about it because we're not conscious enough to maintain it. Why are we not conscious enough to maintain it? If consciousness is seated in the intellectual center and what we know and what we believe is in the intellectual center, then why aren't we conscious enough to maintain it? We're not conscious enough to maintain it because will is missing. These two centers need to work together. We don't have will. We have wills. And our wills are running in opposite directions. And our attention is constantly scattered, usually in opposites because we have all these different wills. I looked in the mirror and noticed I'm 50 pounds overweight. I know, looking at me, it's not a very good example, is it? But it's an example. Someone looks in the mirror, they notice they're 50 pounds overweight, and they, they say, I will lose weight. And then they catch themselves with the refrigerator door open, and they're just eating right out of the refrigerator. I mean, the door is open, they're standing there, and they're just eating. And they catch themselves. All of a sudden, they, they wake up just for a moment and they go, what am I doing? And then they go back to sleep and say, I'm eating. And then they go, so another will. See, but for an instant, that will came up again. I will lose weight. And they saw the conflict. They saw the contradiction. Here they are standing in, the, standing in front of the refrigerator with the door open eating. But this little voice said, what are you doing? The, that little voice of the will. But then that other will came up, the will to eat the will to satisfy this urge, the will to feel good, the will to whatever it was, came up and just drowned out that little voice. So we have these conflicting wills scattering our attention, depleting our energy by sending us in different directions, by making us basically fight within ourselves. So we are at war within ourselves. And this expends a tremendous amount of energy that could be used in some other way. There's no combination of consciousness, will, and attention. And there needs to be a combination of consciousness, will, and attention. Those three things are in three centers. Consciousness is in the intellectual center. Will is in the emotional center. And attention is in the instinctive moving center. You can give attention with your instinctive moving center. So those three things combined, we have something else that we can do. We have a task to remember ourselves once or twice a day. How's that working out for you? How are you doing with that? You remember yourself once or twice a day? You do? Good. You do? Mm -hmm. You do? So everyone does? Most days. Most days? Jeff? Lori? I don't every day. Okay. Do you remember yourself or you just remember to remember yourself? How many people remember to remember themselves but then don't remember themselves? Now, my guess is that most of you who answered, yes, I, I remember myself once or twice a day, more often than not, are remembering that you need to remember yourself. But there's a difference between remembering that you need to remember yourself and then remembering yourself. Just like there's a difference between I've got to put the beans on, remembering that I've got to put the beans on, and then putting the beans on. You can remember that you need to remember to put the beans on, but that doesn't mean you put the beans on. The beans aren't on, then you didn't remember to put the beans on. You just remembered to remember to put the beans on. You get my drift? So remembering yourself, if it's just an intellectual thing, 
nothing's happening. You need to actually be doing it. Well, how do you know if you're doing it? Well, if the beans are on, you know you put the beans on. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe somebody else put the beans on. But with remembering yourself, it's the same kind of thing, except nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can put the beans on when it comes to remembering yourself. Self-remembering is moving our feeling of I from the second to the third state of consciousness. So it's not just saying, well, I need to remember myself once or twice a day. Oh, I remembered that. That's like being aware that you're negative. Well, yes, I'm negative. Yes, but that's not the same thing as separating from it. That's not the same thing as being apart from it, taking your feeling of I out of it. You can be angry and know you're angry and still crack somebody's head. We're talking about taking it a step further. So if we can't really move our feeling of I from the second state of consciousness, consciousness to the third state of consciousness, at least we need to be moving our I to something higher, to our sense of I to something higher. That's the direction in which we need, need to move. I've talked about this before, and I'm going to say it again because it really bears repeating, and it's something we need to remind ourselves of. If you can't do something, at least you can face the right direction. If you're facing south, you will end up going south. Turn in the other direction, face north, or face east, or face west, but turn in another direction. And this is a willingness. It's employing the will. Now, you don't have a lot of will. We have a lot of wills, but we don't have a lot of will. So it's difficult to employ the will, but this is a way to do it. This is a step. And so this is the same kind of thing as a step in moving your sense, your feeling of I, out of one thing into another. You may not be able to get it out of that thing right now. It's okay. Just know that there is another place that you would like to have it and face that. Now, you remember when, when we went to a motorcycle training school and they said if you will, they, they, they wanted you to turn your head and actually physically look in the direction that you wanted the bike to go, and the bike would go there. And then they made you practice doing it, and the bike did go there. The bike would go where your head turned. So when your head turned, the bike was going to go there. And then you started to see how very important it was for you not to look someplace you didn't want to go. So if you saw something in the road that you did not want to hit, you didn't want to look at it. You wanted to look where you wanted to be, not where you... You wanted to look where you wanted to be. And if you didn't want to be in the pothole or in the ditch, then you didn't look at it. Now, this doesn't make sense to us. We think we have to know the dangers there. We have to be aware. We have to avoid it. We have to do all of this stuff. But they're saying, no, it's the body is so automatic and it's so clever that when you just look in the direction that you really want to go, it will, the bike will go there. The body will just respond. Your bike will get there. And sure enough... For those of you who ride a bike, you know that that's how it works. So this is much the same way. To remember oneself, some will must be employed or it remains in memory. We feel meritorious having remembered that we should remember ourselves. Do you remember yourself once or twice a day? Yeah, well, yes, I do. Yes, well, maybe not every day, but yes, actually I do. And it's, uh, yes, I'm doing quite, you're doing pretty good. Yes, I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, I'm remembering myself once or twice a day, sometimes six, seven times a day. And we feel good about that. 
You know, we feel like we have gained some merit, like we've got some brownie points in work heaven, like, you know, the Gurdjieff angels and the Ospensky angels and the Nicole angels are all floating around putting little, little gold stars on our charts. We feel because we remembered that we should remember ourselves, we did our job. But there's more to it than remembering to buy bread. You have to remember to buy the bread and then buy the bread. How many people go to the grocery store to buy something, they get to the grocery store, they didn't buy what they thought they would. Connie did this last night. She stopped at the grocery store and we got home and she said, did I just go to the grocery store? And I said, yes. She said, and I was supposed to get blah, 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 blah. I said, I don't know anything about that. She didn't get what she was supposed to get. She got something else, but she didn't get what she was supposed to get. It's like, yes, welcome to the human condition. This is, this is how we are. This is how we are. This is what we have to work with. But it's good to know it. But it's not good to know it just when you do it. It's good to know it beforehand. It will help prevent you from doing it. You must need it to do it. You've got to need it. You've got to need to remember yourself in order to remember yourself. This is why in the work they say, I wish to remember myself. A wish is a strong desire. It's a need. I wish to remember myself. I need to remember myself. Trust me. I need to remember myself. Well, how badly do you need to remember yourself? I need to remember myself very badly. It's a very important thing for me to remember myself. It's a very important thing for me to get into the third state of consciousness. Why? Because I'm miserable in the second state of consciousness. I need to be in the third state of consciousness. Why? Because I'm happy there. How happy? Happier. And that's happy enough for the moment. When need comes in, will enters in with it. I wish to remember myself. I need to remember myself. I desire to remember myself. It all employs the will. It gets it out of just the intellectual center where we can remember ourselves. We can remember to remember ourselves and then not remember ourselves, not actually get into the third state of consciousness. You remember the second and third state of consciousness, what they are. The second state of consciousness is this state of consciousness, this ordinary state of consciousness, state of consciousness that you're in right now. This waking sleep. You're imagining that you're awake. You're imagining that you're here. You're imagining that you're fully conscious. You're imagining that, that you know everything that's going on around you and that, yes, you're here. This is really happening and I'm awake. That's the second state of consciousness. Where it's hit and miss, you have moments of actually being awake and then the rest of the time you're just imagining you're awake. You're just in your ordinary state of consciousness. The third state of consciousness is when you are actually self-conscious. You really are conscious. You really know you're conscious. Everything is more vivid. Everything is more poignant. Everything is more clear. Everything is snappier, brighter. Everything is different. It's that state of consciousness that you get into after you've been in uh, an accident and you look up and you go, oh my God, I'm alive. You know, you snap out of the haze and everything, the, the clouds part and all of a sudden you know that you're alive. You know that you're there. You, everything, the birds, you hear the birds, you hear the breeze, you, you see the sun, everything is clear. Everything is there. It's crisp. It's there. It's now. Third state of consciousness. I'm probably doing a very poor job of explaining it, but that's because you haven't been in it. <laughs> because, or otherwise, then I'm doing a perfect job of explaining it. Because if you've been in it, you can recall what it was like to be in it. That doesn't mean you're in it. It means you can recall what it was like to be in it. And when you recall it, you'll recall that much of what I said was what it was like to be in it. So here we are. 
Much of our work is thinking, not doing what we think, because the will is not involved. We talked about this yesterday. We're not working. <laughs> you're not working, maybe. Maybe you're not working. But that's a personal problem. Don't speak for the group. If you're not working, then you're not working. Great. That's a good thing to realize. It's an excellent thing to realize. Now start to work. How? Employ will. How? Desire it. How? See where you're at. When you see where you're at, you'll desire it. But as long as you see where he's at, as long as you see where she's at, as long as you see where she's at, you're going to desire that they work. You're the one needs to work. You're the problem with this whole group. You're the one needs to work. You're the real dummy here. You're the one needs to work. You're the one slacking off. See, as long as you're doing that, then your desire is for them to work. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to know better and act worse. That's what you're going to do. The union between knowledge and being brings forth understanding. This is fundamental fourth way. New knowledge and being, actually putting it into experience, brings new understanding. Understanding is what this is about. Knowledge alone doesn't bring understanding. It brings heartache. That's what knowledge alone brings. It brings heartache. Where does most knowledge stay? Knowledge alone. It's uh, Felix Unger or Oscar, whatever his name was. What was his name? Madison. Madison, yeah. <laughs> Great names. Thank you. We make intellectual decisions from knowledge. The intellectual center is employed, but not the emotional center. The work is received first by the intellect, and it's registered in mechanical side of the intellect, the intellectual center. And the mechanical side of the intellectual center is what? Formatory the formatory apparatus. Right. So the formatory part is the part that says yes, no. It's the part that likes, dislikes. It's the part that says hot, cold, black, white, up, down, left, right. It's that part. So it's the very tiniest, smallest, most mechanical, repetitious part. That's where this work must be registered. This work must be registered there first. Why? Well, if it's not there, how's it going to get anywhere else? It's got to get there before it can get anywhere else. So we look at people doing the fourth way and we say, well, they're like robots. Well, yes, of course they are. Because in the formatory apparatus where this work has to be registered first, it's very mechanical. Well, robots are very mechanical, in case you hadn't noticed. So rather than judge them and say, well, they're robots, they're mechanical. Yes, of course they are. We're not. Why are we not? Well, because we're not even getting the ideas into that part of the intellectual center yet. That's why. Because we're not even that far yet. We haven't reached the robot stage yet. But if we keep working, we'll get there. So don't give up. The work remains weak unless we think about the ideas, apply them to our being. Remember that will belongs to being. Know better, but we act worse. We know better, but we act worse. Acting comes from being. Knowing comes from the intellectual center, from knowledge, from a very mechanical part. It can't do anything, but your being will do. Your being does. I throw a ball to you. Your intellectual center does not catch it. Your being does, if you've trained it in there. Not everybody can catch a ball. Not everybody's trained it in there. What they do instead is instinctive. They hold their hands up. They guard. That's instinctive. But the moving center in being, you, know, move, you get it into your being, and your moving center, just catch it. You don't have to think about a thing. Your intellectual center is not involved. It's too slow. The intellectual center is the slowest of the centers, 30,000 times slower than the emotional center, which is 30,000 times slower than the instinctive moving center. So that makes the intellectual center slow 
compared to the instinctive moving center. Really slow. Our level of being eventually decides what we do, or our pride and vanity decides what we'll do. So is there really a difference between our level of being deciding what we'll do and our pride and vanity deciding what we'll do? No, because if our level of being is pride and vanity, then our pride and vanity decides what to do, and that means our level of being has decided what to do. We know better and act worse. Intellectually, we decide what to do, but our level of being acts in some other way. I remember when the birds, our, our African gray parrots flew away, and, and I caught one of them, and I was down, down the road, and, and we live on a hill, and it's a steep hill, and in order to get the driveway, if you don't have a car, you have to really work hard to get up the hill. I'm holding the bird. Well, I didn't want to cross the street and try and walk all the way up there with the bird. I figured, okay, I'm just going to stay here and be calm with the bird. Connie will go and she'll go get the cage out of the garage and she'll bring the cage down and we'll put the bird in the cage and then we'll be able to or get the car or whatever. And uh, we wanted to get the bird enclosed because we didn't want it to fly off again. And so Connie went up the hill. Well, I had inadvertently closed the garage, not inadvertently, mechanically closed the garage door because when I leave the house, I don't leave the garage door up. So I closed the garage door. Well, she got up there without any keys, couldn't get into the house, couldn't get into the garage, came back down. And as she was coming back down the hill, she told me later, she was thinking, okay, I'm not going to yell at him. I'm not going to scream at him. I'm not going to tell him what an idiot he is for closing the door. And she said, and she got down the hill, and she all this stuff was in her mind. She knew how she was going to behave. And as soon as she got there and saw me, out of her mouth came, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> she started screaming and yelling at me. And she said later, you know, she thought, I said all the way down there, right until I got there, my mouth opened, that I'm not going to do that. And my mouth opened, that I did that. Why is that? We know better and act worse. Why? Because we act from our being, not from our knowledge. You can have in your mechanical, intellectual center in the formatory app, you can have all kinds of stuff in there. It doesn't mean a thing unless you can get it down to a place where you can be it, where you can understand it, where you can get your will into it. It's not going to happen. You'll decide one thing and do another. The important thing is we decide one thing, but our level of being acts differently. Something in us ignores our fleeting decisions. Something inside of Connie simply ignored her decision not to say what she said. Something else took over. And what that something else is, is who you are 24-7, not who you decided to be two minutes ago. And that is why we know better and act worse. Because we can know something that we can't be. <laughs> or as Charles Fillmore said, even a frog can see further than he can hop. The work can't simply be memorized. The mind next needs to see the truth of the ideas. Once the work is memorized, which is a good step, then the mind needs to dwell on those ideas, turn those ideas, examine those ideas, try and fit those ideas together, see how this idea fits with that idea. It's a puzzle, and put the puzzle pieces together. That's what the intellectual center needs to be doing with the ideas that it has memorized and put into the mechanical center. Now, you'll notice that a lot of people want to skip this step. They want to go straight to the emotional center. Okay, I've got the ideas memorized, now I need to be emotional about them. Well, you won't be emotional about them until you can start to fit them together, until you become facile handling them. You've got to be able to handle them the way a chef handles a knife, the way a mechanic handles a wrench, the way an electrician handles uh, uh, 
um, quick, help me. You're needle-nose pliers. Needle-nose pliers. There you go. <laughs> I just was thinking, I think, I've never seen an electrician work. They just stand around most of the time. You know, oh, wow, what could they possibly do? <laughs> anyway, as soon as we start to really get familiar with these ideas, then our being becomes the real problem. How so? Well, because there are many wills. Yeah. And they fight each other often. Yeah. The thing we wish to do, we don't do. And that which we don't wish to do, we do. Paul said it in one of his letters. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body? The thing that I wish to do, I do not. The thing that I do not wish to do, that thing I do. And it's like, okay, that was a couple thousand years ago and somebody was screaming that, Rah! tearing his hair out. Rah! Why? Because being had become a real problem. He got the ideas. He saw what needed to be done. But being became his real problem. It was he wasn't able to be it. This is an excellent place to be, where you're tearing your hair out, where you're grinding your teeth, where you're screaming at yourself. It's a good place to be because you're awake. You are starting to realize, man, I really thought that I was something that I'm not. I thought that I could do and I can't do. I thought that I knew and I don't, obviously, I can't do anything about it. So what good is knowing it? And it's an excellent, excellent place to be. It brings with it a sense of humility and brokenness that we really need because it helps us to establish our place in the great ray of creation. Not the place that we imagine that we belong, but where we actually are. And this is a rude shock to find out who and what we actually are. It's a very unpleasant thing to have happen. If you really get a taste of it, it doesn't taste sweet at all like flattery and self-love and self-liking does. That's sugar cubes to us. But this other, ooh, the reality of that is bitter. Now we begin to work. We need to work. The work grows on us and in us because this fire has been lit. Wretched man that I am, who will save me? How do I get out of this? Well, I'll tell you who will save you. You will save you. You will save you by working your way out of this, by applying these ideas, by lifting your level of being. How are you going to raise your level of being? You're going to have to see the truth about yourself first. Now that you've begun to see the truth about yourself, you have a need, you have a desire, you have a, you have a wish to be different. And it's real, and it's strong, and it's powerful. When you see what has been running you, what has been pulling the strings in your life, then you have a need. You have a need to cut those strings. You have a need to be free from that. You have a need to be someone else. Now will is employed. Now the emotional center is involved. You're not going to involve the emotional center in any other way. You're going to involve the emotional center by seeing the reality of your situation. When you see the reality of your situation, the emotional center will get involved because you'll see the need. When the work becomes emotional, it begins affecting the will part of us, our being. Thoughts don't affect our being in the same way that emotion does. You can think all kinds of things, and it can affect your being. It's not like when you feel something. You feel something. It really can affect your being. And I'm not talking about sensations. I'm talking about feeling. Feeling afraid can affect your being. We're thinking about fear doesn't do it the same way. You don't break out in a sweat and your respiration and your heart rate don't increase and your circulation doesn't increase by thinking about it. But you feel afraid and all of that stuff kicks in. Bam! It affects your being. As we are, the emotional center is governed by self-emotions. What are self-emotions? Self-liking, self-love, vanity, pride, 
All of these things dominate the emotional center for us. This is where negative emotions come from. Negative emotions could not exist if you didn't have dominating your emotional center all of these self-emotions. If you didn't have these self-emotions, how could you feel negative? If your vanity is bruised, then you have negative emotions, don't you? If your pride is slighted, then you have negative emotions, don't you? If somebody doesn't like you, then you have negative emotions. We must bring the work ideas to mind every day to keep the work alive in us. It's not enough to do this twice a week or three times a week or four times a week or five times a week. You've got to bring these ideas to mind every day. And when I say bring them to mind, I don't mean remember them. Don't remember to bring the ideas to mind. Remember to bring the ideas to mind, then buy the bread, put the beans on, do it. What does that mean? Take time right then when you're remembering it to write a little diagram and put these ideas on it and then connect them up. How does this connect with that? Or do that in your head if you can do that. But somehow start to connect these ideas. Somehow start to think about these ideas. The work must be above life eyes, no matter how much we have to use life eyes for ordinary tasks. And one of the things that I hear a lot of from people when they compare themselves to me is they say, well, you live like a monk. We have to be out there in the world and we do this and we do that and it's not the same for you. Uh-huh. Too bad. I mean, that's just tough. Boo-hoo. So quit. Just quit. Go on and commit suicide. Whether it be spiritual suicide, psychological suicide, physical suicide, go ahead, do it. Just quit. Or you can sit there in your pity party for the rest of your life and say, if only I had his life, then I could, then I could work this work. Can you see what a lie this is? Can you see what self-deception this is? Can you see what you're doing to yourself when you do this? It's like, well, you don't understand. My condition is worse than anybody's. Oh, no, I understand. And I agree. Your condition is worse than anybody's. You're full of self-illusion, self-love. You're self-absorbed. Well, I understand perfectly. Your condition is worse than anybody's. You are more involved with yourself than you need to be. You need to get involved with this work. How do you get involved with this work? Bring these work ideas to mind every day. That'll keep the work alive in you. Make sure that the work is above life eyes. What does that mean? Well, life eyes will want to go do this, but work eyes will say, you know, you haven't really thought enough about this work today. You really need to do this now. But I want to watch TV, but I want to go out to eat, but I want to do this. No, do this instead. That's bringing work eyes and the work above life eyes. Do you get it? Yes, there's some sacrifice involved. <gasps> sacrifice? I wanted the other work. You know, the one where I just pay and they give it to me. Well, this is the one where you pay and they give it to you. It's just that what you're asked to pay is what you must sacrifice. What you must sacrifice is what you love. And what you love is yourself. C influences turn to B influences and then to A influences. This is the way it goes. That's the way it's going to be for you. Unless you keep this work alive, unless you do something, it's going to turn to A influence, it's gonna die. Because this work in A influence is death. Anything in A influence is death. A influence leads to death. C influence leads to life. A different kind of life, not the life that we know. You've gotta do it. You've gotta employ the ideas. Employ the ideas every day. You have to do it. You can't sit there and expect someone to do it for you. You have to do it.
The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.